Hello and welcome to the latest instalment in Energy Sports Scottish Premiership season preview podcast. Today our focus is on Ross County after successfully avoiding relegation in their first season back in the top flight. Can they beat the drop again this year? I'm Sean McGill and joining me to talk all things Staggies is Andrew Henderson, sports reporter with the Highland News and Media up in Inverness. Andrew, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks Sean. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, I guess the best place to be start with to say how you sort of ended up covering County, how long have you been following the club? Uh, it's been over a couple of years now, actually. It was uh, February 2018, I think I started in my, my job up in Inverness. I worked for uh, a few different weekly papers and a couple of them are out covering Rosher. So Ross County and Cali Thistle are kind of the two main teams that I cover. Um, so I, I was there just at the tail end of County's relegation season a couple of years ago and then covered the championship winning campaign and then last season, as you say, staying up in, in the Premiership. So it feels like so much has happened at the club yeah. over the last couple of years. Uh, my, my first week in the job was actually when Owen Coyle left. So I've been there the whole time with uh, <laughs> Kettlewell and Ferguson. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of change over the last couple of years, but so far so good. <laughs> And how do you look back on that last season? Obviously, it would have been the first time you'd seen a full season of them in the Premiership, like you're saying there, of you covering them. So and they, they achieved their objective of staying in the league, which was the main thing, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from, from day one, they were saying, stay up. Yeah, that was the goal. And it, it has to be for, for a club like Ross County. You know, it's, it's not the biggest club you're going to get in Scotland. So uh, survival first year backup was, was great. And I, I, I thought they adjusted reasonably well they had a, a really good start last season and then went on a really bad run just before Christmas but I think a, a big part of that came down to the fixture list um, in the I think six or seven games before Christmas they played both of the old firm back to back and they had that happen twice last season so whenever they got the chance to build a bit of momentum get a, a decent result here or there it was taken away from them by playing the big teams you know straight after each other um, and then it's I mean, I look at the table from last season and I kind of think it might be a, a bit of a false position for them because they had eight games to go and all eight games were against teams in the bottom half of the table. Um, the three games they had before the split were the three teams below them in the league table when things kind of came to an end. So they were getting dragged into a relegation fight by the end of it, but they could also just as easily have been nowhere near it by the end of the season. Um, and I think that should, in theory, give them reason to be optimistic for this next season coming. I guess a lot of people might have sort of saw that as a, a decline for Ross County and they were sort of, it was, it could have kept going into sort of dropping into those relegation spaces. But do you think when they were playing the teams around them, they would have found a way to sort of make sure they were, or kept their, their head above the trenches, as it were? I, I think so. Um, they, they were six points clear of hearts when everything kind of came to a standstill. Um, and part of my thinking with that is I don't think Hearts were going to catch them. Um, but they played well. I think they got a couple of wins against St. Mirren last season. Um, Hamilton, I think, was uh, a little bit more hit and miss in terms of the performances. Hearts, they really should have beaten them right at the start of the year out at Tynecastle. Uh, Brian Graham missed a penalty and it ended up being a nil-nil draw. You know, They were more than capable of getting those results. And I think they were really up for it, knowing the opportunity that they had there. Um, yeah, I, I think they would have been quietly confident of, of pulling themselves out of the situation they were in. 
like you said, the whole time you've been covering them, it's been um, Stuart Kettlewell and Stephen Ferguson there in charge. Mm. Um, I guess, first of all, how does that come about? Because it's not something we see very often in football management, especially Scottish football, is two managers. Um, so yeah, what, what was the thinking behind uh, putting a team in charge? It, it, you're right, it's rare. And it's one of the, the first things we asked them as well, going back a couple of years. And it just yeah. seemed to be something that, worked for the people involved in, in the situation they were in. To start with, it was only on an interim basis. I, I think people might forget that at times. Mm. So it was essentially two caretaker managers coming in and they got a couple of decent results, got the job permanently, but still couldn't stop County going down that first year. It's, it, it, to be honest with you, it's uncanny. When you hear Stuart Kettle or Stephen Ferguson talk, they might as well be the same person at times. <laughs> they just have the exact same philosophy. It's, they... They used to take it week about. So for press conferences, one would do one week, the other would do the next. And honestly, you'd get the exact same line word for word out of both of them. So I really, I don't think it was an issue for them at all because they had such a similar philosophy, they had such a similar approach. Um, and they'd worked together for years before when Kettlewell was development squad manager and Ferguson was head of the academy. So they knew each other really well. They were really close and it just seemed to work. I'm not sure it would for a lot of other clubs. I'm not sure it would if it was anybody else in that position. But for those two, it, they just clicked so well that it wasn't an issue. So uh, it's it's interesting to see how that's going to change over this next year when Catwell doesn't have that same sounding board right beside him that you can go back and rely on. Yeah, so if it's worked so well and they're so similar, what, why is the decision being made to move Ferguson upstairs? He's now the CEO and, like you said, Kettlewell will be in charge himself. Why now to change that dynamic? Well, uh, Roy McGregor, the chairman, said it was just the next um, natural development for, for the club, I suppose. They've had a bit of a restructure behind the scenes. Uh, I know Scott Boyd, a Ross County legend, was uh, made redundant right back at the start of the pandemic. And it just seems to have been a total reshuffle there of, of how they're working up in the boardroom as well and they, they clearly thought Ferguson was the best guy to take the club forward having that experience running the academy off the pitch as well as on the football side of it and and he seemed quite happy to take it on I'm not sure it was so much a reflection on the job that Kettle and Ferguson had been doing together I think it was more just how the pieces ended up falling into place um, and Kettlewell obviously seemed quite happy to take it on himself, quite happy to do the role. And he's got Richie Britton and Don Cowie with him as coaches who know the club brilliantly well as well. So uh, it's, it's just one of those things that it just was the time for a change, uh, according to the people involved. And everybody's, I, I used the word optimistic earlier, but again, everybody's looking forward to seeing how it's going to work. What's Ferguson role, Ferguson's role going to entail as far as you know? Because CEO is not a, a, a role you often hear in football, really. It's, I think it's going to be a bit of everything. It's kind of looking after the, the future of the club, looking at the more long-term stuff, the, an overview of the projects that's going on all the way through from... Um, I, I'm, I'm conscious that I might be getting things wrong here now because, like you say, we don't usually know a huge yeah. amount about the CEO. Um, but from you know, youth level and branding as, as well as also he is going to be involved in transfers. He is going to have a say. He's just not going to be out in the training pitch day to day working with the players. He's not going to be involved in match days. Um, it, it's, it's just going to have, I think, a more overarching view of the entire club rather than specifically working with the first team. 
And like you said, you have a, a saying transfers and it's been quite busy this summer at Ross County in terms of comings and goings. Uh, we'll start the players who have left. Could you sort of pick any of them out particularly and say they're going to be a really big loss to County or do you think they've done a pretty good job in retaining their key players? Um, for the most part, I think they've done a, a pretty good job. The The concern for them, I suppose, isn't so much, I think, one specific player. It's that they lost three fullbacks. Um, they lost Richard Foster, Sean Kelly and Marcus Fraser, who, as the captain in the last couple of years, probably is the biggest loss uh, that they're going to have. If one, Not if only, that's unfair on him. But he's came up with some important winners on the pitch, but his influence off the pitch, I think, as well, is, is something that, uh, is going to take a bit of getting used to not having that because he, he seemed really well respected in the dressing room. He was always quite happy to put himself forward for club duties. So, you know, there's that. But it's the fullback situation. You know, they, they've brought a couple of guys in. They've promoted Sean, uh, not Sean Kelly, Josh Reed from the reserves into the first team this year. He's only 18, so we don't really know how he's going to make that step up. So uh, it's... Yeah, there's there's some question marks there, but at the same time, they could rise to the occasion and uh, be totally fine. We'll just have to wait and see, because with the signs they've brought in that you kind of mentioned before, we don't know a huge amount about them because of where they've come from. So that could go either way, and uh, they could mean that everybody that's left are, are going to be quite quickly forgotten, potentially. Do you think any of those players who have come and really stand out to you as quite exciting transfers, or is it you said, is it just sort of like a... A real shot in the dark. Uh, I, it's it's difficult to say when I haven't seen them play with Ross County. Usually, would have seen them a few times in pre-season, but the friendlies have all been behind closed doors. So uh, I know people have been talking quite highly about Regan Charles Cook and how he played against Aberdeen a couple of weeks ago. Apparently, scored an absolute wonder goal. Uh, Billy Mackay said it as well as uh, Kettlewell. So I think they're quite excited to see what he can bring creativity wise going forward but county last season it was the defense that was the issue so you know they were the the team that conceded the most goals in the premiership and that isn't something you want if you're battling relegation that's that's just an obvious uh point of call for improvement so the the guys that have come in have to perform there just isn't any doubt about that they have to otherwise county could well be in trouble again this year so jumping back to players who have left, and one that was very outspoken as he went out the door was Ricky Foster. Um, do you think there's that the sort of his um, talking in the media about the fact that the club didn't furlough him and other players who weren't getting their contracts extended? Do you think that's um, put a dent in Ross County's reputation at all long term, or do you think people will be able to sort of move on from it? It it possibly will. Um... Other clubs did the same thing. Dunfermline, I think, released a lot more players just as yeah. quickly. Uh, but I, I was a bit surprised that those guys weren't kept on, at least for the time being. Uh, I think in Foster's case, he's already got a move. He's signed for Partick Thistle. So he might not be too bothered about that now in hindsight that he's got something else. But the uncertainty isn't nice for anyone. And I'm sure it wasn't something that County would have taken any great pride in doing. But at, at the end of the day, football clubs are businesses. So, uh, you know, they, they have to do, make the, those sorts of calls that they think are right for them. Like I said, I, I was surprised that they didn't keep them on furlough, at least for a little while longer. But that's obviously a call Roy McGregor's made. And I think people 
will acknowledge that everybody's having to make quite tough decisions right now. I'm, I'm not sure, maybe for the next year or two, but after that, I don't think it'll have too much of an impact on Kenny's reputation. And another player who's coming in this time on loan is Stephen Kelly from Rangers, and it's kind of in a similar mode to maybe Ewan Henderson uh, last year. Uh, Ewan Henderson didn't have too much of an impact. I think he only made nine um, appearances in the league last year. But what are the sort of noises you're hearing about Kelly? Do you think he could be a more successful uh, transfer this time around? I, I haven't heard too much about him, to be really? honest. I think he's the first guy that came in this summer, and he's maybe been overshadowed a little bit by some of the other guys that have come in and maybe expectations have been tempered after Henderson last season. Uh, from from what I'm aware of him, from his spell at air last year, he, he played fairly well. He's still a young guy learning the game and he's going to have some really experienced heads around him to learn from. And uh, I, I spoke to Don Cowie when it came through that he was retiring and hanging up the boots. And he made the point that if between Cattlewell, Britain and Cowie, they can't coach a central midfielder, <laughs> County are going to be really struggling. So uh, Kelly's got a lot of good guys around him to learn from. And I, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think he's out of contract to Rangers at the end of the season as well. So he might have a real point to prove to put himself in the shop window, whether that's at Rangers or somewhere else in the future. That's exactly what County want. You know, they've kind of made their name in a lot of ways in the transfer market on bringing in young players, developing them and, and moving them on eventually to a lot of the time bigger and better things. So it could be something that, that really suits all parties, I think. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on County's striking options going into this year. Because if, if you look at the names, I think a lot of... Um, it looks like a very competent sort of premiership strike force. Ross Stewart, Ollie Shaw, Lee Irwin... Billy McKay, do you get the sense that if a couple of those can form a really good partnership, then County could look really dangerous in the attacking sense this year? It, it's, it was their attack that saved them at times last year. I mentioned their defensive record in the league, but getting two guys who scored double figures in all competitions for, for Ross County is crucial, and it's exactly what they needed. You mentioned the names there. Ross Stewart is probably the least established of the four, and yet he's the one that's grabbing all the headlines. Uh, it's it is it's it's exciting if you're a Ross County fan and you're looking at the options because behind those four you've got Michael Gardine, who is capable of unlocking defenses kind of at will. Uh, like I say, Regan Charles Cook can come in and support them as well. Josh Mullen was outstanding in the championship and maybe took a year to adjust last year, but yeah, those those four guys up top, it's it it bodes well if they can get them fit and firing. Stuart and Mackay have had a couple of years now to sort of work together and, and develop that understanding. I, I think it can surprise people a lot of the time that Stuart's played out wide. He tends to start out on the left and then there's just a, a fluidity <laughs> around the forward line where guys can kind of go wherever they want to or wherever there's space to. Um, but Stuart's got quite a few goals coming at the back post in the air and his height is a huge asset out there. We saw it with Aberdeen a couple of years ago with Adam Rooney playing as a wide target man almost. And I think there's a lot of eyebrows raised, but it's working for Ross Stewart. And uh, yeah, again, if there's a good mix there of experience, of, of youth, of different styles of forwards because Billy Mackay isn't going to play the same sort of role as Ross Stewart. And Ollie Shaw isn't going to play the same sort of role as Lee Irwin. But that's, that's probably where Ross County looks strongest, I think, and, and where they can be the most reliable, uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're talking about reliability there. I guess that's something that's maybe sometimes been called into question 
and the county goal in terms of Ross Laidlaw, who sometimes get a, gets a little bit of stick. But do you think he maybe grew into the season last year? Do you think he'd be looking to sort of uh, really kick on and prove himself? Because he does have a fair few doubters, I would say. It's an interesting one. When he first signed, there were quite a lot of fans, I think from Hibs and County, who expected him to be the number two. They expected someone else to come in and just immediately leapfrog him. But he had some cracking games last year. There, there were games where he made so many saves to keep County in it, and they ended up getting points out of it. Yes, he made a few mistakes, uh, but what keeper doesn't at some point? You know, we're seeing there's so much talk right now about David De Gea. You know, even some of the world's best make these mistakes that cost their team games. Um, I, I think Laidlaw is someone who did grow into the season last year. He was out with the team for a little while with Nathan Baxter. And I think that really pushed him to work harder and and just perform better and, and really stake his claim. It's going to be interesting, though, because Ross County are still talking about bringing in a new keeper. And I don't know if that's going to be somebody who could leapfrog Ross Laidlaw or if it's somebody to challenge him or if it's somebody to be a backup. So it's kind of going to be starting all over again a little bit for Laidlaw. After that, I wasn't expecting a David De Gea mentioning a question about Ross Laidlaw, <laughs> but, but there we go. Um, you mentioned that's that they want a... an example, but it's one that's <laughs> no. the of everybody's minds, isn't it? Yeah, no, the, the point of... definitely still remains, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you said that they may be looking to bring in a, another goalkeeper. Do you think there's other obvious areas in the park where um, County will still be looking to strengthen before uh, the window closes? <sighs> I don't think there's an obvious area in terms of numbers. Their squad is pretty much where they would like. It's pretty similar to where they were last season. Um, what Kettlewell over the last couple of years with Ferguson has tended to do is kind of leave the door open. Um, they're not going to be actively pursuing anyone, but if somebody came up that was the right fit for the club, that was a good deal that they felt could improve the squad. We've seen in the past that they will, they're quite happy to do deals later on in the transfer window. Um, Ricky Foster was one last year who came in that bit later. I think Ewan Henderson was actually on deadline day. He joined from Celtic. So they're, they're quite happy to buy their time and assess their options. But I don't think there will be any desperate need for them to go out and, and target a specific area because they've got those four strikers. They've got four or five guys for the three rules in between uh, and behind rather. They've got a handful of options for centre mids and they've sorted out the defence in theory this summer. So once they get in a, a goalkeeper, I think they'll be fairly comfortable if they have to go into the season with that. And like you said earlier on, there was the need to um, give someone new the armband this summer. Uh, that was announced the other day to be Ian Vigers and Callum Morris is going to be his vice-captain. Do you think those are good, solid appointments for County? I do. Uh, Vigers had a bit of a reputation earlier in his career but he, he's really matured um when you talk to him now he's he has a, a sensible head on his shoulders he's quite keen to give something back to his teammates as well which i think is really important for a captain uh and if they can keep him fit because he has had some injury issues the last couple of years he is one of their best players on the park uh he's a guy that has a vision and a passing ability that i'm not sure anybody else in the squad has so he's talked in the last couple of days about leading by example as being one of the, the key mantras he's going to have with the armbands. And he's absolutely capable of doing that. Just purely personally, I quite like to see a midfielder with the armbands. Um, it could be a bit more involved in all aspects of the game than a striker or a defender can because they're covering more of the park. And I think 
that could be quite important in some of the, the games against the bigger teams where county need to be marshaled quite a lot more. Um, Vigors can maybe see it from a slightly different perspective than Marcus Fraser was able to. And that's not to take anything away if it does end up being Cal Morris with the armband because, again, he's experienced. He, he's been around, but he was captain at Dunfermline. He knows what the role entails. Um, and he's proven that he can do it quite well. County I, I had quite a few options for the armbands, and I'm not sure many of them would have been particularly bad choices, but I think they'll be quite happy with Vigors and Morris. And one of the things that fans have been sort of curious about in this time period is what, how different clubs are going to uh, set up their streaming services. And County seem to have mm. taken a really sort of professional and exciting approach with sort of the names they've got in. Rory Hamilton from BT, Jamie Lyle from the BBC are going to be front of the coverage and Stephen Cragen signed up as a regular pundit. Is it exciting to see the club sort of try and be innovative and uh, adapt into these sort of strange times that we're in? I think so. Um... Roy McGregor made the point from the very start that they wanted to give fans the best service they possibly could. And that meant going out and getting experienced names, guys who've been in the studio, who, who know what they're talking about and not just some, you know, random person who's coming in to commentate on a match or, or present some coverage. Cause it, it could quite easily have been anyone, you know, really, but clubs in general, I think tend to be going quite high profile. They want to make sure they do this right because it's totally unprecedented. Nobody's had to even think about this sort of thing before. And now they are, and they're, they're quite keen to do it well. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, pro- it's not going to have any impact on how they perform on the pitch. <laughs> I think County yeah. fans would much rather the team win than it's uh, an established name presenting the win. But it's, it is. It's, it's every, that thing, every little helps, isn't it? the club wanting to do something the right way and and progress and become uh get the reputation up a little bit which it always helps absolutely so we've been asking all our um guests to give a prediction for the season ahead so what are you what's your gut feeling there's still a bit of time to go but um do you think that county can survive again i think so uh i i really think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic for county this season um there's They've been talking about not just surviving relegation, but potentially pushing up another couple of spots in the league. Uh, I, I think that's doable, potentially, if some of those question marks with the new signings, with the defence get answered and it, things go well. Uh, you're probably looking at the usual suspects down at the bottom of the table. and It's going to be Hamilton, St Mirren, Ross County. Depending on how Dundee United adjust to the league, they might be down there, but they could also fly right up the table. So um, I think County will be confident that they can finish above definitely Hamilton St. Mirren and, and maybe catch one or two of the other teams. They weren't really that far off seventh and eighth, the way the table ended last season either. So yeah, first and foremost, the target for them is going to be avoiding relegation just because it always is. But they will be targeting that as quickly as possible and then trying to see what else is achievable for them. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I usually give guests a chance to plug something here, but I actually want to ask you about, um, I saw on your Twitter that you run Pride of the Terraces. Do you want to tell mm. us more about that? Because I think it's something that's maybe sort of overlooked in Scottish football quite often. So Pride of the Terraces was a, a website I started up just to get more stories of LGBT people and sport out there um, because it's, like I say, it's really not something 
we hear a lot about, especially in football and especially in Scotland, there are various different events going on uh, around the UK. And especially this weekend, there's actually a, a football pride be, virtual event being run by Football versus Homophobia. Um, but it's just, it was something that I felt there was a bit of a gap in the market for. And it occurred to me that I had the means to go and do something like this. So why not? It can have a, a really important impact on hopefully young LGBT people and, and everybody else are realizing that actually this is a thing. It does happen. And there's no reason for it not to happen more because inclusion uh, or participation rates of LGBT people in sport are, are minuscule compared to the general population. Um, so it's all about having role models out there and uh, like I say, showing people that it can be done. And it's, it's something that I was quite, passionate about bringing to public uh bringing to the public eye because it, it doesn't we don't see enough of those stories whenever we talk about you know when will a footballer come out it's always shadows and silhouettes and papers and uh trans athletes having an unfair advantage it's never the the positive stories and real stories of how people have actually done it and how it's helped them and how there hasn't really been that many issues so uh yeah, th thanks for bringing that up. I didn't realize you were going to do that. So. What's, the, what's the response been like? Do you feel like um, people have managed to engage with it in a positive way? I, th I think so. Um, it's, I, I get quite a lot of traction from within the LGBT community. I'm not entirely sure how it's sort of uh, reaching people outside of that. I hope it's having a bit of an impact. Um, I, I try to cover a lot of different sports uh, so that it's not a case of, well, I like rugby, but I don't like football. So why isn't there a rugby story there? I can't relate to that. You know, I tried to make sure there's a lot of different avenues covered. And yeah. actually over the, the summer, I think right back at the start of Pride Month in June, um, I, I put up a page of sort of your, your, your big questions, I think I called it, where I went and asked some of the people that I'd interviewed just to give little bits of advice for anybody who might be struggling with their identity or their sexuality and wanting to play a sport or aren't sure about whether they would be accepted. Um, and I, I really hope that if someone goes to that page and reads those things, then they can take a lot from it. Um, I, I've been quite encouraged because people have started reaching out to me now, as opposed to me just chasing everybody up and kind of going, can you please talk to me? People are actually coming to me and saying, hey, I'd love to tell my yeah. story. And, and that's been really encouraging Fingers crossed they could just keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Do you want to let people know where they can find um, Pride of the Terraces or yourself on social media so they can uh, have a look at that? Oh, Pride of the Terraces is the website, is just prideoftheterraces.com. On Twitter, it's Pride of Terraces because of the character limit in your usernames. Uh, for me, it's A Henderson96. And uh, yeah, it's. If you follow me, you'll get stuff from Pride of the Terraces. You'll get some of the articles that I'm writing for the weekly papers. And uh, yeah, that's, I think that's about it. I'm not really uh, that active on many other social medias. So. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much, as I said, for coming on. We'll be back with more se uh, Scottish Premiership season previews next week. So please keep an eye out for those. You can get the rest of the series wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, energysport.net don't forget to follow us on twitter at enrgsport thanks for listening and we hope to see you again soon cheers